Welcome back. You are listening to Nate the Hate on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Be sure to like the video and subscribe if you haven't already. And today's episode is dedicated to Where's the Direct, whom generously donated $200 in support of the channel, and the Zelda Sensei, who donated a curious amount of $109.23 in support of the channel. And we'd like to thank the two of you for your generosity and support. And with that, I'd like to welcome in my co-host, Modern Vintage Gamer. What's going on, Nate? Great to be here. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure having you on. And today's episode is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code NateTheHate, one word, NateTheHate, at manscaped.com. Now, MVG, it is my understanding that you have used the Lawnmower 4.0 on your I have, yes. Uh, Manscaped were um, were gracious enough to send me a 4.0 lawnmower, and I got to say, I'm in, I'm pretty impressed. You know, as someone who's um, you know, uh, a pretty hairy guy, I will say. I mean, I think I think it's a fair thing to say. Uh, the Manscaped 4.0 is an absolute dream come true for me, and um, I've been absolutely amazed with the performance. It's uh, it's some next level engineering, and I love the the uh, the body trimmer and the the uh, the, the the work that it does around the groin area for um, a really comfortable grooming experience. It's it's uh, really awesome. The trimmer itself uh, is multifunction. It turns off and on. It's got a travel lock on there. Um, you can also turn it into a LED spotlight. Like, I mean, if you want that precision shave or if you just want a LED spotlight, um, you know, in the room with you, it's it's going to double as one of those as well. And um, it also comes with uh, four different uh, guard sizes as well uh, from one to four. And, Nate, it also has wireless charging. And uh, that's something I'm a big Ooh. fan of because you, you know, obviously you get a, a longer battery life. Uh, things last mm-hmm. longer and you can take it with you on the road when you travel. And I got to say, I'm, uh, I'm very impressed with the other uh, lawnmower 4.0. Yeah. So once again, support for this episode of Nathan Hate is brought to you by Manscaped. You can get 20% off and free shipping with the code Nathan Hate. That is one word, Nathan Hate at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use Nate the Hate and unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And that, with the Lawnmower 4.0, you will get a smooth, clean shave every time. And just because the winter season is coming up doesn't mean you have to be disgusting. And we'd like to thank Manscaped.com for sponsoring this video. So today, Nintendo had their September, their annual September Nintendo Direct, and it was packed full of new information and brand new game announcements. And we're going to lead off with what I consider the biggest announcement of the Direct, and that is their intention to expand Nintendo Switch Online with an expansion pack. And I love the callback here to the N64 expansion pack with this brand. And it's very fitting that the new hardware being added to Nintendo Switch Online 
is the revolutionary Nintendo 64, and it's being joined by a non-Nintendo platform with the Sega Genesis. And right now, Nintendo has not given specific details in regards to the pricing of Nintendo Switch Online plus expansion pack. That information will come next month. But they did announce you can buy an N64 controller and a Sega Genesis controller from Nintendo's online store, very similar to what they did with the NES and Super NES controller. And they also given a very brief list of some of the upcoming games coming to the service for each of the respective platforms. And the launch games for the Nintendo 64 will be Super Mario 64, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, Mario Kart 64, Star Fox 64, Sin and Punishment, Dr. Mario 64, Mario Tennis 64, Winback, and Yoshi's Story. And some of the N64 titles still to come include Pokemon Snap, The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, Kirby 64, The Crystal Shards, Mario Golf, Paper Mario, F-Zero X, and the surprise inclusion of Rare's classic 3D platformer, Banjo-Kazooie. And then we have the launch lineup of Sega Genesis games. And these will include Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Streets of Rage 2, Echo the Dolphin, Castlevania Bloodlines, Contra Hardcore, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, Golden Axe, Gunstar Heroes, Musha, 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 Fantasy Star 4, Rystar, Shining Force, Shinobi 3 Return of the Ninja Master, and Strider. That's a pretty solid lineup. That is a very impressive lineup of Sega Genesis games. But the N64 games have a twist that makes them all the more exciting. And that is because select games like Mario Kart 64 will allow for online multiplayer. This is a first that we'll ever be able to play Mario Kart 64 online. And in my opinion, that's a pretty big selling point. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this last week with the um, the Nintendo 64 episode. We were speculating that N64 would come to the service. Um, i got to say, probably a little sooner than I anticipated. Uh, I think... I don't know how you were feeling, Nate, but I felt like Game Boy and Game Boy Color may have been the first one to drop. But, um, I mean, getting N64 straight up, you know, is really um, Nintendo telling everyone that, yes, you know, we are are planning to have our our higher tier of service. And it's interesting that um, we don't know what that will entail as far as pricing at this time. So I think, you know, they're probably still working that out as far as, you know, what they want to charge people. But I think it's also fair to say that this is, you know, N64 and Genesis is the first of what I would expect to see more more um, systems get, getting added. So, you know, I, at some point I would expect to see Game Boy and Game Boy Color get, get added um, and possibly other systems as well, you know. So um, very, very exciting announcement. Great to see N64 just straight up get announced for the service. I got to say, I'm a little disappointed that it didn't come today, didn't shadow drop today. But um, I also understand Nintendo still has some work to do to work out the logistics of all this. 
It's great to see selected games getting online. Mario Kart 64. I mean, why wouldn't you have that as an online game? I think that would mm-hmm. be, um, you know, uh, it's an absolute no-brainer, you know, that they they did that. Um, the, the collection of games that they have there is mostly, I will say, what we predicted we would would be there. But there are a couple of oddities. Uh, Winback is definitely one that um, I didn't really <laughs> expect to see at all. Um, and I got to say, I got to be honest, Banjo-Kazooie, that is a big surprise for me that, that it's on the service. You know, uh, I felt pretty strongly that Rare, um, you know, Microsoft and Rare had you know, they're, they're, you know, two hands around their catalog of N64 games. And, you know, there's no way that they were letting them go to anyone. Um, mm-hmm. But it's great to see, you know, Banjo-Kazooie on the service. And what does this mean for future Rare games? Will we end up seeing GoldenEye on this service at some point? All of a sudden, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not as confident that they're not going to be there as you know as i as i was so you know maybe we'll get to see more rare games um for n64 but otherwise very very excellent announcement and um i can't wait to to take a look at it when it comes out i'll definitely be signing up for the service and and taking a close look at this stuff yeah it's definitely a surprise that these these two new entries to the service will be coming in late october because september is the renewal month and Nintendo did make it clear that you can upgrade to the expansion pack at any time once it's introduced next month. So they are positioning it as that multi-tier purpose. You can stay with the current Nintendo Switch Online if you are content with you know, your NES and Super NES games. But if you want to gain access to N64 and Genesis on top of the aforementioned platforms, you go to the expansion pack tier, pay a little extra, or whatever they come in at the price with and gain access to online Mario Kart or, you know, online Dr. Mario 64. And that lineup of games, I mean, these are some of the defining N64 games with Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, Mario Kart, Star Fox, and Sin and Punishment. I mean, that was a game that us Westerners didn't get access to until it was brought over to the Nintendo Wii Virtual Console. And now it's a launch game for Nintendo Switch Online. And the software of Promise to Come, Banjo-Kazooie is definitely one of the standouts. Another two standouts for me would be F-Zero X, which will now have, or at least we expect it to have, online multiplayer. And I do wonder if Nintendo will go as far as doing a variant version mm-hmm. of including the 64 Double D content that would which be, allowed that would be track editing and yeah. such that would be fan, that would be awesome if they if they could provide that mm-hmm. and it kind of opens that door now that we have to wonder will they do that it's not out of the realm of possibility with the way they have handled previous nso editions because we've seen the regional you know versions for games like zelda on nes have that special edition become available where you have like the mods and stuff that only certain regions got with the game. So 64 DD content is absolutely something that is viable. And another title that surprised me is Pokemon Snap. Mm -hmm. And it's really just comes down to the fact that it is a Pokemon game. And we know the Pokemon company is very strict with re-releases of their content. Yes, we saw Pokemon Snap on the Wii Virtual Console 
but that was, you know, 15 years ago. And bringing Pokemon Snap to NSO is a brilliant move for two reasons. We know that this year is the Pokemon anniversary. We just had new Pokemon Snap brought to the Switch. And you know people are curious of how the series originated. And what a nostalgia boom it would be to be able to return to the original Pokemon Snap and relive your childhood memories. And even just bringing Pokemon Snap to NSO on its own could potentially be used as a marketing tool for new Pokemon Snap. You may have people who had no interest in the game. They boot up NSO, play some of these N64 games, fall in love with Pokemon Snap, and now they're going to be looking for more. And, oh, we have a brand new one that came out several months ago just waiting for you. And that's the that's the strength of Nintendo Switch Online, is that it allows you to gain access to games that right now you'd otherwise have no access to, at least via legal means, unless you want to buy an old N64, find a cartridge that could run you... I can't even imagine what Pokemon Snap would cost you loose Ooh. these days, probably upwards of $50, $60, if not yeah, more. easily, easily. And Nintendo can position this for a lot of different software. And like, even though we had speculated about the idea of how could Nintendo bring Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask to the Switch? And here is the answer. Nintendo yeah. Switch Online. So it's, it's also a little surprising to me because, again, I think last week I mentioned... I mm-hmm. felt like maybe that'd come as a double pack. Um, but, you know, the the other, I guess, the counter argument to that is if you're going to have N64 online, then you have to have those games on the service. It's a, it's a no brainer. You know, it's, it's, you have to have them, you know, it's right. It's some of the best games ever made. So, you know, it, mm-hmm. it makes sense. Yeah. You need that selling factor to, convey the idea that you want to subscribe to Nintendo Switch Online, so you need those heavy hitters like Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. And really, to see Majora's Mask already planned for the service is exciting. Yep. Especially with it being Zelda's anniversary year, and even though Nintendo came out and said, we're not releasing any other Zelda content for the anniversary, you're still going to be given Ocarina of Time in just over a month. Do you think Super Mario 64 was a surprise? For me, it was a little bit because um, I kind of felt like they would they would give that one um, a miss, you know, obviously based on 3D All-Stars. So, I mean, I, I applaud them for adding it in the NSO, and I think it's the right move. But I'm also a little curious as to why they added it, you know. If, if everyone that... that is playing Super Mario 64 has already played it already. And the other thing to mention is the version on the 3D All-Stars collection, while it does look a little cleaner, it's not a huge upgrade from what you're going to get on the NSO service. So, you know, am I am I kind of overthinking this a little too much? Oh, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just felt I mean- like, you know... They ran their course <laughs> with Mario 64. You know, everyone that won, wants to play right. it has already played it. Um, and, you know, if you really yeah. want to play it, then you can still find a copy of 3D All-Stars out there, I guess. I mean, that's kind of the thing, is that one of the selling factors for 3D All-Stars was definitely the ability to play Mario 64 on the go for the first time since the DS version. Right. And now Nintendo is just putting the game on Nintendo Switch Online. But at the same time, when you think of 
a digital N64, what is it without Mario 64? Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point. Very good point. You can't have you can't have it without Mario 64 on there. And it, I mean, it is kind of humorous in its way that Nintendo just sold us Mario 64. Right. And now a year later, they're like, well, we're going to pack it into this service at a higher price. And you do have to envision that a lot of the people who saw the 3D All-Stars was motivated to buy that collection because Mario 64 is in it and, you know, Mario Galaxy. And I do question whether or not had Mario 64 been a launch game, and let's say it didn't have Ocarina of Time included here, if Mario 64 would have been enough of a lure mm-hmm. to tempt people to upgrade, or if it now maybe it's just a companion game, and that's why you have Ocarina of Time, yeah. you have Banjo-Kazooie planned, because you needed something a little heavier than Mario 64. But it's definitely welcome to be included for Nintendo Switch Online. And, you know, I look at that launch lineup, and that's a solid list of games. The games intended to come. It looks strong. And there's a lot of games Nintendo can still tap into. And as you mentioned with Banjo-Kazooie, we do have to wonder what this means for future rare owned properties and the Nintendo 64. Well, I won't go as far as GoldenEye. No, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> MGM and right. Amazon and whoever owns the bond license. And I mean, that's that sounds pretty <laughs> messy to me. Yeah, but will well, we see like Perfect Dark, or will we see exactly. um, Diddy Kong Racing, yeah, or Jet Force Gemini, or um, stuff mm-hmm. like that? You know, I think, or even like Killer Instinct. Absolutely. I mean, I think that door, that you know, that door that I believed was closed is is open um, potentially. So mm-hmm. it's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's definitely at least cracked open, and the fact that you're allowing Banjo Kazooie, you have to assume. Banjo Tooie right. will one day come over to the service as well. And maybe this is because Banjo is in Smash Brothers. So Nintendo and Microsoft are playing nice with each other, saying, well, he's in Smash Brothers. Banjo has an amiibo. We'll mm-hmm. grant you access to the Banjo franchise, but we're not going to give you anything beyond that. And I hope I am wrong because an online Diddy Kong Racing would oh, yeah. be phenomenal. Would be would be very, very good to see that. And if I'm Nintendo, I think I would open up the discussion to go both ways of you have Perfect Dark, N64, and Xbox Live Arcade. You have that version. If Mm -hmm. we could negotiate some sort of way that you allow us access to Perfect Dark for the N64, and maybe we can open up the online avenue to have some cross-play multiplayer... Yeah. I mean, it probably would be very difficult because that was a essentially a remaster. It was an HD version of Perfect Dark while NSO would be getting the N64 original. But if I'm Nintendo, I'd still be looking for these type of negotiations of saying, what can we do to make these maybe appear on both our platforms right. for some of these games? Like even Killer Instinct, it's part of Rare Replay. So what's really preventing it from coming over to NSO, be it we haven't seen the Super NES Killer Instinct come over. So having Killer Instinct Gold come over with N64 is probably a long shot. I would say I would say it is, but I I, I think, you know, last week when I categorically 
kind of believed that it wouldn't come. <laughs> now I'm not so sure. You know, there is a possibility that it, uh-huh. it may appear. Yeah, I mean, and this shows the fluidity of the industry where from a business sense, Microsoft has every right to deny Nintendo access to the Banjo-Kazooie games. But sometimes it's just, hey, let's play nice with each other and we'll grant you access to that. And that was a huge get. It surprised a lot of people. I saw Rare tweet a few things, kind of, you know, poking some fun at the situation because there was a lot of doubters about it. And I'm excited now for the future of what NSO could possibly entail because we have that first entry of Rare developed games. So the fact that maybe more could come is definitely something to be excited about. And if I'm Nintendo, I would definitely be pushing negotiations with Microsoft to make more happen because you need to have that selling feature for the expansion pack of NSO and to really sell people on the idea that they're charging more money for Nintendo Switch Online, which we have been very vocal of in the past that it doesn't offer all that much value, even at its current $20. But making N64 games available with online multiplayer is definitely a push in the right direction. We have to see what price they come at next month. With the new expansion pack, hopefully it is reasonable. As I said last week, I think the ceiling would be in the area of $40, if not less. I don't see how they could possibly justify going above that price range. So hopefully Nintendo continues to be reasonable in their online pricing structure for their service. And then we have the Direct itself. Before we go through the list of content that was on display What were your thoughts overall at the end of the show? How did you feel about the presentation itself? A little mixed. I thought the high points of the show were good, but there was the the pacing was a little all over the place, Nate. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of announcements kind of didn't have any dates associated with them, or they were just loose dates, I'll say. Mm -hmm. Um. It was it was fine, you know. It, it it was definitely nowhere near Nintendo's best, um, but I thought the the direct was was fine. Um, I didn't I didn't really think it was 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 terrific though. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative a construction off the <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely entirely check out the gaming blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now i found one aspect of the direct to be very off-putting and it was that nintendo continued to pivot on certain aspects of it, like Nintendo Switch Online. They come out, they introduce that they have the expansion pack, N64 and Sega Genesis are coming. They run through a quick list of games. They introduce the controllers, and then they say, come back next month when we'll tell you about its actual launch and the pricing structure. Yeah. And we'll give you more details. It's kind of like, okay, but then they repeated this 
with Smash Brothers saying, yeah. come back on October 5th and we'll tell you about the final fighter with a 40 minute presentation. That's a good point. And then they point. did it again. That is a good point. I, I, I thought the Smash Brothers thing was more because it was the last character and maybe they felt like, you know, Sakurai should have the last say, you know, which which mm-hmm. I, I'm totally I'm totally on board with. But you're right. It wasn't an, an isolated thing. It kind of happened like three or four it times. Happened, it happened three times. They did it again with Animal Crossing where yeah. they showed a glimpse of an update to come and they say again, come back later and we'll tell you more about it. And it was, you have our attention today for a 40-minute presentation. Why are you telling us to wait longer? And to me, that was very odd. And another odd point of the direct was the Mario movie segment. Oh, God. It did not feel <laughs> like a direct sequence. It didn't have to be in a direct, I feel. That could have been a Twitter video that got people interested in the film. The fact that you have Miyamoto come out, which I'm sure got a lot of people's hearts racing. Like, oh, oh, he's going to introduce a new Mario, a new Pikmin game? No, no. no. He's here to introduce Chris Pratt. He's <laughs> voicing Mario in the new Illumination film coming out next holiday. Nate, as soon as Miyamoto came out, I knew he was going to talk about the movie. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be anything else because Miyamoto doesn't make games anymore. He hasn't done it for, for many years. I mean... He's all about Ooh. the theme parks and and the movies and and all that stuff now. So I knew it was going to be the movie as soon as I saw him um, on on the screen there. You're going to anger people with that comment. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, audience. <laughs> yeah, it was. It seems really oddly paced, almost like they were trimming the fat because they had to rush to get through it. Yeah, like they wanted to build up to some moment, but I don't know if that moment really ever came so those sequences just kind of stood out to me of okay that's that's weird but the content of the direct itself definitely had high points as you mentioned and i would say my personal highest of the high my peak Mm -hmm. so my everest was kirby and the forgotten land coming in spring 2022 and this is the first time kirby on a home console is going in a full 3D platforming game. Yes, he's going 3D with like Kirby's Air Ride. But this is a, essentially it looks like Mario Odyssey. Yeah, that's what I thought it was initially. Yes, it's freely navigate areas. You suck in the enemies and, you know, you use the copy abilities. You fight large bosses. This game looks phenomenal. And it's exactly the evolution that the Kirby franchise has desperately needed. And the last Kirby game was Kirby Star Allies, which came out in, I believe it was 2018. Yeah, three years now, I want to say. Yep. It may, I believe it was 2018. Could have been 2019. I'm not too sure of my Kirby timelines. And it was a good game. It was a safe Kirby entry. It wasn't really revolutionary. It used HD Rumble in a few neat ways. And I love the Kirby franchise, but the last one that I was really absorbed in was Planet Robobot on the 3DS. And the DS and the 3DS, they both had fantastic Kirby entries that, you know, the typical 2D style approach. But the series needed an evolution. And Kirby yeah. and the Forgotten Land is exactly what the franchise needed. Totally agree. Uh, for me, it was the biggest announcement of the Direct. 
And mm-hmm. yeah, I uh, I love it. I mean, it looks like it, it looks like it's using the the Odyssey engine for this game, and they finally gave Kirby a budget, you know, to to make a yes. really really awesome three D game. So um, yeah, I'm absolutely hyped for this one. Um, I, I think this, and um, we're going to get into some other games, but I think this was one of the games that saved the direct for me because, you know, it, for, that was definitely the, the highest, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the hypest announcement of, of the show for, yes. you know, by a mile for me. Absolutely. And the game that opened the show, which I'm sure shocked a lot of people was monster hunter rise sunbreak. Mm-hmm. Now this is a paid DLC expansion for monster hunter rise. It will come out believe it is next oh it's summer 2022 but i believe they're having additional in- information in the next week or two so it should be releasing in october and i played monster hunter rise earlier this year i've kind of fallen off of it so this announcement really didn't interest me all that much i kind of feel as though maybe it came a little too late for me but i'm sure there are a lot of monster hunter fans out there who are eagerly looking forward to this expansion we then had Square Enix announce Voice of Cards, the Isle Dragon Roars. Now, this is a card-based RPG from the creative minds of Yoko Taru and Yosuke Sato. And I'm not a big fan of card-based RPGs, so this one really didn't speak to me. There is a free demo. I will give it a try sometime this week. It comes out on October 28th. But again, it's a turn-based, card-based RPG, so my interest level is basement level, unfortunately. Same. I I respect what it's trying to do. I'm sure there's I'm sure it's gonna be a great game for fans of card-based RPGs or tabletop <laughs> RPGs, but just not my cup of tea, unfortunately. But it, it looks cool. Um and yeah, I may try the demo out as well and take a look at it. Square was also there with two other announcements. We have Chocobo Grand Prix. It's essentially a Mario Kart game where you race around as your favorite Final Fantasy characters like Chocobos, Gilgamesh. I believe they also have some of the Black Mages. Comes out in 2022. You can do 64-player bracket-style tournaments online. That seems like a pretty neat feature, but it's not a game I'm in really anticipating or looking forward to that much i know it's just a direct and it's a trailer um but one thing i noticed nate was the gameplay looked really fluid and Mm -hmm. um, it looked it looked like mario kart you know in in um a final fantasy type type world but every time a character would would activate a special move and again i don't know if it was just my display but the frame rate would just cut in half was it did you notice that or was it just me and and again maybe i'm overthinking yeah. this because this is just a a, a trailer on a direct it's probably mm-hmm. super compressed and everything but for me everything was like silky smooth and then all of a sudden every time an acti- uh, uh, um you know uh, uh, a special move was activated the frame rate would just dip and i was like oh that's not good um, but I mean, it is coming out next year, so obviously they've got plenty of time to optimize and get the game at a level of performance that they need to. 
Yeah, I'm sure they'll be able to optimize some of that stuff. But yeah, it did seem as though when the spells got more advanced and they went through their multi-tier level, that it did have a hit on performance when they actually unleashed them. But that could be something that they clean up between now and the actual release of the product. So, I mean, it looks... It looks whimsical and charming. It's just not something for me. I mean, Mario Kart is obviously a absolute, you know, superstar when it comes to sales on the Switch. It's just, right. I mean, there's no reason they need to make Mario Kart 9, right? I mean, um, it just <laughs> prints money for, for Nintendo. Do you think Square is trying to get in on that with, with this game? Because I think um, they have a long road ahead of them if they think they're going to compete with Mario Kart. They're probably just trying to tap into that casual cart audience, which I'm sure it will do well in Japan. I think they have a grander mm-hmm. challenge ahead of them if they're trying to get Western appeal. Yeah. But I'm sure it's not a high budget game anyways. So it'll probably do well with the respective audience that they are intending to target. We then got a release date of March 4th, 2022 for Triangle Strategy. This was the HD 2D strategy RPG that was announced last year, I believe. Yep. We had a demo become available. Demo was really good. I believe it is still available on the eShop. And this is a game I will definitely be checking out. They have taken some of the information from the demo surveys and they have adjusted the game according to feedback. So hopefully they have addressed some of those concerns in a meaningful way. And the end product is something that Final Fantasy Tactics fans and just tactic fans in general can be excited about come early next year. This is definitely a must buy for me. Um, I can't wait to pick up this game next year. I'm, I'm all about it. We then had Act Razor Renaissance. Now this is a classic Super NES game and the original Act Razor is a fantastic looking game, but I have to be honest, the art style that they showed with Renaissance was really off-putting, but the game did shadow drop. It is available right now. Unfortunately, this is a game I'm going to be looking for impressions on yeah. because I'm not sold on that art style or even just the general direction that they are taking with taking the game in. <laughs> Something about it is off-putting and I can't quite put my finger on it. You took the words out of my mouth, Nate. Um, some games don't need to be remade in HD. Act Razor uh-huh. is is pixel wizardry on the Super NES, and the soundtrack by Yuzo Koshiro is iconic. And I know that he's involved in remixing. I think the soundtrack um, with this Renaissance version, but I'm I'm not sure on this one. I, I it didn't it didn't blow me away, you know, and I I kind of had the same feeling as you that something just felt a little off by this. Um, I will say to, to be fair that I had the same feeling when um, ghouls and ghosts, uh, ghosts and goblins um, resurrected came out um, recently. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it didn't look particularly great, but once you start, you start playing it, um, you really appreciate it. So I am probably going to pick this up uh, and, and take a look at it and give a, give it a fair, and you know a fair assessment and a fair review of what I think, but I got to be honest, I didn't really like what I saw. Um, I love the Super NES version; it's one of my favorites. And again, you know, I just I, I'm a big believer in 
some games don't need to be remade, you know, or if you're going to do this, then give it the the pixel remaster approach where you're not, you haven't really changed anything. You're just, um, you know, upscaling graphics and, 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 and things like that. Um, but, you know, I will definitely give this a chance and, and take a look at it, but I was a little disappointed when I saw this. Yeah, that's, I'll wait for some of your impressions, see how you think of the game. But like right now, unfortunately, as much as I love the ActRaiser series, that trailer just didn't do enough for me to convince me to drop money on it today, especially because there was another shadow drop today. And that was Castlevania Advance. Yes. This is a fantastic trilogy of games and it also includes castlevania dracula x from the super nes but castlevania circle of the moon harmony of dissonance and aria of sorrow were on the game boy advance and they are three of the best castlevania games money can buy and the fact that it's on the switch right now is a welcome shadow drop and i hope limited run games somebody gets a physical release of this title as soon as possible because I want a retail copy for my collection. Limited run games. If you're listening to this, give us a physical. We need it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm really, really hyped about this. This was up there with, with Kirby as probably, well, not probably, it was definitely my second biggest announcement at the show. Very, very excited to see this. We kind of knew that it was coming. There was a lot of... Uh, activity going on with ERSB ratings and and things that are going on in Taiwan and everything. Um, We suspected that it would be a shadow drop. It did. Um, I haven't played it yet, but I I promise you after we finish this episode, I'm going to be purchasing it and playing it and really giving it um, a good go because I love those games. I'm very happy happy to see Game Boy Advance um, on the Switch and Mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, um we'll see more more collections from gba because there's some great games yes there are there's a lot of great games konami put out a healthy dose of them over the years so hopefully konami keeps going this route and we also saw dying light 2 stay human cloud version was announced for the nintendo switch coming february 4th 2022 it will be a free demo along with the game Next year, and Dying Light 1 Platinum Edition is coming to the Switch on October 19th. Pre-orders began today. We also had a shadow drop of Delta Rune Chapter 2, which is available right now on the eShop. We had the Animal Crossing New Horizons update, which amounted to essentially a new free update is coming to Animal Crossing New Horizons in November. Nintendo will give additional information in a Animal Crossing's New Horizons Direct Next month, why they didn't want to give us any information today is beyond me. We also had DLC announcement for Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity that on October 29th, the second wave of Age of Calamity expansion pass content will become available with a new playable character duo of Pura and Robbie. Now, this was a game I was very excited about when it launched, but unfortunately, my interest on Age of Calamity has waned. I mean, the game just doesn't run very well, you know, and for me, it's it's enough to be distracting. You know, there are a lot of games mm-hmm. that 
on the Switch that dip, you know, dip their frame rates and and maybe will will stutter at, at times. This one is to the point where not only is the frame rate so bad, the resolution dips, you know, as well, and it's just not a great experience. I've I've tried playing this game a few times, and I've just kind of given up because I'm I'm just not happy with its performance. And um, you know, it's um it's something that I think really you know is a shame because I would love to see it get fixed, um, but it obviously is a lot more complicated to do that than 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 I guess you know what it what what it mm-hmm. is because there's underlying engine issues that are holding holding that but for me I don't know Nate um Hyrule Warriors is just a game that um could have been a lot better you know um but it's again I I'm I'm with you I I've kind of lost interest in that in that game Yeah it's a shame that it didn't keep my interest for, you know, like a full calendar year because I think the premise of the story was really engaging and unique at a time and it just didn't stay with me. But, you know, you never really know when a narrative is going to stick with you for the long term. And it's unfortunate that Age of Calamity's narrative simply didn't. Uh, we then had the news that the final DLC fighter for Smash Bros. Ultimate will be announced and shown on October 5th. Who's it going to be? May- who you got? I will not partake in a prediction on that one. I think it's Sakurai. He is the final boss. As much as I would love for that to happen, I just don't see that happening. I'm totally joking, by the way. I have no idea. Um, I mean, who do you pick as the last character? You know? There's there's nobody. Yeah. There's no one that ends the fighter pack DLC well, because let's say they did add Sakurai. You would have people mad that they didn't add Satoru Iwata. That's that's a good point. What about Waluigi? <laughs> Everyone would be mad about that. <laughs> well, that's the point, isn't it? I mean, you know. There, yeah, there's just no way they can possibly end this on a high note that makes everybody happy. I mean, if I look at the current fighter pack two characters, Knowing yeah. what has come to market already, I probably would have reshuffled this and ended it with Sephiroth because I think that made people hyped enough. It's a huge, iconic character. I just don't know if there's anyone left in the industry that they could could have selected that would have matched that type of hype. Like I've seen all the Twitter hype where people say, oh, it's going to be Master Chief. No, it's not. As much as I want it to be Master Chief, it's not going to be. It's not going to be Crash Bandicoot. It's not going to be Dante. It's not going to be Ryu Hayabusa from Ninja Gaiden. Right. It's going to be someone no one. It's going to be someone no one really expects to happen. And if it's a Fire Emblem character, everyone's going to be angry. That's another Fire Emblem character. There's just no way this ends well. Yeah. Yeah. You're anybody right. involved. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I, I was I was very bemused that we didn't get the announcement today. Um, but I also understand that you know this is the last one, and um, you know it may may be a longer show um, at the end here. But we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see what what Sakurai has for us. We then had a quick trailer for Mario Party Superstars. We had an update on Mario Golf Super Rush with some free content that was coming today with the inclusion of Koopa Troopa and Ninji being added as playable characters. This is a game that I enjoyed when it launched for about 
two weeks, but the bare bone content simply did not keep me invested and I have moved on from the game. For those who continue to play Mario Golf Super Rush, hopefully this new update is something that excites you. We had a shadow drop for Disco Elysium, the final cut. Oh no, it wasn't a shadow drop, I'm sorry. It is available on October 12th and a physical version will be available in early 2022 but pre-orders did open today on the eShop. We then had Disney Magical World 2 Enchanted Edition coming this holiday season. Shadow Run Trilogy was announced for the Switch coming in 2022. We had a quick trailer for SMT5, Rune, Factor 5, Rune Factory 5. And this was a surprising announcement and also something that kind of made me chuckle is that Aspire is bringing Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic to the Nintendo Switch on November 11th. And why it made me laugh is that two weeks ago, Aspire announced that they are remaking Knights of the Old Republic for PlayStation 5. And here comes Nintendo (laughs) with the old Aspire port (laughs) that came to PC what I feel like may have been a decade ago. You know, this game uh, is also available on on uh, Android and iOS, I believe. Um, so I'm wondering. And I think Aspire did that too. Yeah, I'm wondering if they're just going to take the Android version and just port it, you know, um, and get it out for the Switch. Look, I think it's fine. You know, um, Knights of the Old Republic, the original game, is is iconic. It's legendary. It's old and it's dated, but there is a fantastic game underneath all of that. It is interesting, though, that, you know, it's getting that version and not the remake. But um, the remake is, I mean, that's probably, we're not going to see that for a while, are we? I mean, that's right. maybe 2023, 20, you know? Um, so just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm pretty good with weird this. Weird timing. Yeah, it, it is weird timing. I'm pretty okay with this announcement. Um I, uh, you know, there's no guarantee that the remake is is going to be a good game. And you know that Knights of the Old Republic, the original, is a good game. So seeing it on the Switch, I always will welcome good old games coming coming to the <laughs> Switch. You know, just having that available to you um, is always welcome for me. Yeah, I mean, it comes out November 11th, and it's going to be available on the eShop for $15. So very affordable and as you mentioned, this is kind of a game that has a long legacy behind it. Its reputation is non-debatable. It is highly regarded as a fantastic entry. I believe you can play the X. Can you play the Xbox version on the Series X? Yes. I, yes, you can. You can. Absolutely, okay. you can. Um, I'm not sure about KOTOR 2. If that's back and pat, but KOTOR 1 is absolutely back and pat. Okay, so that's that makes a little sense of why maybe it's not coming to like the Xbox platform because the Switch is kind of the only one just sitting out there. PlayStation obviously is going to get a brand new one. Xbox has access to the original and Switch is just kind of sitting here saying, what can I get? And here comes Aspire with hopefully not the mobile port. Um. Well, yeah, for $15... Definitely something that Star Wars fans should probably look into. I never played Knights of the Old Republic because I'm not that big of a Star Wars fan. But maybe this is something I give a look after being misled on Jedi Academy by John on Spawn Wave. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to listen to him about this game. 
but I'll listen to others and I'll look at some of the older reviews and see if it is an action RPG type of game that may cater to me. And then we had the big moment of the direct, a very long Splatoon 3 trailer, which highlighted some of the aspects of the single player, like mammals might be returning, but we don't know exactly what that means. We saw the cat on a, looked like a some sort of slide in a laboratory. And we saw some of the environments, including like a snow capped mountain and such, and a few returning stages for multiplayer. And they didn't give it a release date beyond the aforementioned 2022 release that they gave it back in February. So not much in terms of new information with Splatoon 3 beyond that. It does appear that they are expanding the single player campaign to be more meaningful. And then the direct capped off with the long awaited trailer for Bayonetta 3. And I have to give Platinum some credit that they did a nice little fake out in the first half of the trailer where they had the dog statue from Astral Chain <laughs> sitting in the middle of the street about to get smacked by the demon. That was pretty and cool. Then it slowed into witch time. And you could hear the sound effects. So you knew that it was actually Bayonetta 3 and it wasn't Astral Chain 2 because I can't even imagine the outrage if Platinum announced a new Astral Chain game before showing us Bayonetta 3 again. <laughs> and I'll say, you know, showed off some gameplay. Gameplay looks classic Bayonetta. It's some aspect of the game. It feels as though the game may have originally been, or maybe the game is going to be open world to some extent, because the way they showed the environments suggested that to me. What did you, um, what did you think of this trailer? Um, uh, and, and, and let me, let me preface that. Well, let me also add another part to what I'm asking, considering we haven't seen this game for four years. What did you think about the trailer? Was it enough? That's, in a word, no. Because we have waited for this game for four years. What they showed in the trailer simply didn't justify the wait to me. It looked like another Bayonetta, which is fine. I love the previous two games. But for this long of a wait, and I understand the game has shifted to a new director because the prior director had left the company. I want to see something that really pushed the boundaries of what Bayonetta can be. I wanted to see a revolutionary take on the Bayonetta formula. And it was nice to see the demon smacked into the mounted screens on the building to show some destructible environments, which we really haven't seen from the Bayonetta games aside from like a pillar breaking in combat. But the trailer by itself showed me the same combat that we have come to love, but it didn't show me enough of a new I'll use the term gimmick. Yeah. But they didn't show me that new gimmick, something to really excite me beyond the idea of, well, it's a brand new Bayonetta. Maybe there's more to come because they only slapped a 2022 release date on it. 
they didn't say spring or anything. It's just 2022. So that means this could be a holiday 2022 game. We're still a year off from release, which means we will see it again at an E3 or maybe an early direct for 2022. But I wanted to see more of the world. The combat, yes, that's the selling point of a Bayonetta game. But I want to see a little, how are the environments being used in terms of exploration? All they showed me is that staple of all Bayonetta games. Smooth, fluid combat. I expected you to have that. Thank you for showing me that it will have that. But what's new about this game? They showed us riding the demons and like those type of set pieces, scaling the buildings. We saw that with Bayonetta 1 and 2. Yeah. What's going to make this game stand apart for the previous two entries? That that was my biggest takeaway as well was it looked great. And yes, I love Bayonetta 1 and 2 and I'll, I'll be definitely playing this when it comes out, I just wanted more, you know, like this is Bayonetta 3. This should be, um, you know, not just an iteration. This should be, it should be bringing something new to the table. You know, um, the first um, Bayonetta game on the Switch, it should have something more for us. And I'm not, obviously one and two, uh, you know, came from the Wii U. I'm not counting those um, because they originally were developed, you know, previously. But this one should have something more, you know, for us. But um, look, you know, I, I'm happy that it was there because I, I got to be honest, I wasn't sure that Bayonetta would be at this direct. It just seems like there's been a lot of development hell with this game. Platinum has been mm-hmm. in a, I don't know, they've just been in a bit of a funk, you know, um, over the last last year and a half, you know. Um, but it, I'm, I'm very, very happy that we did get to see more of it. It does look good. And look, you know, um, yes. I think fans will like this game. I just wanted more than what we got, especially after waiting four years. Um, the 2022 thing, I mean, I feel like they had <laughs> to they had to put that date up there on the screen. You know, I don't think yes. Platinum knows when this game is going to be done. Um, and I think they're hopeful they'll have it ready for next year. And hopefully, you know, holiday next year is, is the time that we'll see it. Um, but, yeah, I mean... I thought it was I thought it was fine, but uh, I just wanted a little bit more, you know, of Bayonetta. Yeah, like they did introduce some of like the new mechanics that you can control your demons, but is that really something that's you know is that going to revolutionize the way we play the game? The trailer didn't really sell me on that feature just yet. I love her new look. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I was I was I liked the new look as well. And I just want to see a little more. And maybe it's just, you know, it was a trailer. And this is kind of where, as much as I'd like to give Sony a hard time on the way they market their games, when you watched, like, the God of War Ragnarok yeah. debut trailer, you got a sense of how you're interacting with that world. Absolutely. This Bayonetta trailer was just high-octane action. Yeah. But... Is I want to know a little more about the game mechanics. I want you to show me that. I almost wish it was more of a gameplay demonstration than just with you know some sort of explanation by the team saying, here we have Bayonetta controlling the demon. You do it by this way. Just to give me a general overview of what I'm getting from the product. And this could be something that we get down the line. As we said, the release is just a vague 2022 window. In the moment... I'm glad we saw more of it. I like the direction that it's moving in. I like the visuals. And based on the trailer, the performance looks nice and fluid. 
I didn't really see any frame rate drops or any screen tearing. This is a trailer. You can kind of curate that. But my due to this trailer, my mm-hmm. expectations for Bayonetta 3 are high. Yeah. I really want a entry to this franchise that redefines what we get from this genre. And part, part of me feels like Nintendo basically, you know, told Platinum. When I say told them, you know, they were very, very adamant. Look, we need something to show at this direct, um, and we need you to to give us a date for this for this game. You know, because it's been four years, you know, and uh-huh. we only have twenty twenty two. That's that is eighteen months potentially. The way we could be wait, not not exactly eighteen months, but you know what I'm saying. It's it's gonna, it could be over a year, right. another uh-huh. year and a bit before this we see this game actually get released. So. I'm very surprised that we didn't actually get a, you know, a, a date, like an actual date for this game to come out. And to me, that tells me that it's it's kind of, it's like the Breath of the Wild 2 thing where it's like, you know, we know it's coming, but we just can't really commit to when that's going to be, you know. Um, so um, hopefully we'll, we'll get to see and hear more of Bayonetta, you know, next year. Absolutely. And I, I did like the little play that they had with her parents saying oh i'm fashionably late like yes you are fashionably late you're about two years late <laughs> and you know we're, we're glad to see you but there was one moment in the trailer the end mm-hmm. it has the 2022 date come up and it is slashed in half you see a silhouette of a appears to be a male character turns his head to look over at the camera and then the trailer ends yep I was kind of waiting for a date. <laughs> I thought it was going to change to like 2021 December yeah, 2021. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think that was just that was just trolling us, right? But if you look at that character silhouette, is it the main character from Scalebound? That's what I was thinking for a for a second. I'm like, no. I mean, to me I just felt like Platinum's just, you know, messing with people at that point it did look like the the main character from scale bound was it a callback i i don't know i mean think, i don't I mean, know think of kind of what scale bound became right you control you fought dragons i believe you had some sense of control over your dragon partner now bayonetta 3 you directly control or you have control over the demons Mm -hmm. and you end the trailer with a character who suspicious who suspiciously looks like the character from scalebound maybe they're using some of the concepts from that title and they implemented them into bayonetta 3 i mean this is pure speculation based on a half a second appearance by a male character but that'd be interesting i need to look at it again maybe um just side by side, um, the scale bound character with this, but I—that's what I kind of took away from that. I was like, "Is this the scale bound guy?" You know, but um, I don't know. I—I I just kind of felt like Platinum was just messing with people. I mean, the the whole trailer was Platinum messing with people, really, if you think about it. So I just, I kind of just true. thought maybe it was just more of more of the same. That's true. I mean, they did have the they did have the astral train dog, yep. so. It just feels like maybe they were just poking some fun at their own catalog of games there. But 
it definitely looks like their most promising release based on everything they had shown at like E3 with Babylon's Fall and yeah, those types of projects. This, especially with Nintendo's oversight, this title it definitely looks promising. Can't wait to hear more. Unsure when that will be exactly. But all in all, I'm not going to... I don't think it was Nintendo's best direct, not by a long shot. I think it delivered where it needed where it needed to. Mm-hmm. You had Bayonetta 3 as a high point, along with Kirby. At least Kirby has a date of spring 2022. We know we're going to gain access to that game in the next six months. It looks very promising, exciting new concept displayed there with Kirby. Can't wait to get my hands on it. We know Nintendo Switch Online is expanding with with N64 and Sega Genesis at the end of October. We are left wondering what is to come with Animal Crossing. We will find out next month in the Animal Crossing Direct. We are still wondering what the final character for Smash Brother is. We will find that out on October 5th. And so October is going to be a busy month for Nintendo based on this Direct because they omitted a lot of information from us. But all in all, an oddly paced Direct had some good information, a couple of standout announcements. So I would rate this direct a B minus. I would give it a B. I thought maybe it was a little better than a B minus, but um, otherwise, I, I agree with 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 your points there. I thought there was enough good stuff to kind of you know just bump it up a little. Um, you know, Kirby was was the highlight. Loved Castlevania. <laughs> um, great to see Triangle Strategy get a release date. Um, Bayonetta three was was fine from what we saw. The uh, Nintendo Switch Online stuff is was was pretty big, and yeah, I mean, I think there was enough there, um, you know, mm-hmm. for for me to to say it was it was a solid B. Yeah, it was definitely missing like the Game Boy and Game Boy Color inclusions to Nintendo Switch Online, and those two platforms are coming. I think Nintendo just wanted to frame this particular segment in the Nintendo Direct around the idea of the expansion. I would anticipate that Game Boy and Game Boy Color are part of the current Nintendo Switch Online service and they didn't want to conflate the two. So I wouldn't be too surprised if we hear about Game Boy and Game Boy Color potentially at the October info sharing for the expansion pack or maybe Nintendo just tweets about them because if they're not going to sell an additional hardware accessory like we have with the N64 controller and Sega Genesis controller... They don't really need to use a direct to highlight the inclusion of Game Boy and Game Boy Color. And as Tom Phillips of Eurogamer tweeted earlier tonight, he had also heard about Game Boy and Game Boy Color alongside N64 and Sega Genesis. So the information concerning Game Boy and Game Boy Color coming to the service remains entirely true and accurate. It's really just a matter of when, not if, but I still believe we would see Game Boy and Game Boy Color happen Probably this fiscal year, if not this calendar year, just up to Nintendo wants to drop it. I don't think we're in for a year wait for platforms like Game Boy and Game Boy Color. I think today they just want to focus on new, more exciting additions, which were the N64 and Sega Genesis. And support for Nate the Hate is brought to you by Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NateTheHate at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use the code NateTheHate. That's one word, NateTheHate. 
unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And we can go into some of the Streamlab questions for this week because we have several. Our first question this week comes from Mr. Stud Muffin, who donated $4.20 and writes, all that Sony showcase was missing was NAC 3, baby. <laughs> it sure was. Then had a donation of $200 from Where's the Direct? No question. And Where's the Direct is the first dedication for this episode today. And the Direct just took place. We then had a $1.69 donation from Mr. Stud Muffin, writing, Always a good day when there's a new Nate the Hate episode. Keep it up, my dudes. It does suck when an episode is delayed, but I appreciate you putting out quality over quantity. Thank you. Thank you. Then had a dollar donation from Jackie G, who writes, how, li how likely is it that we get a SSD in the next generation switch? I don't <laughs> think we're going to get one. Yeah, I mean, it's not impossible, but I think it is probably too expensive for Nintendo to consider one in the immediate future. If we're talking like 10 years from now, then I would say odds greatly increase. I mean, it's 2021 and Nintendo is just now using an OLED screen. So they always wait for components and such to get cheaper. And even though some phones, I believe, do have an SSD Nintendo's always looking for a deal and probably in Nintendo's mind, it's cheaper to allow the consumer to just get a micro SD card and to continue to use flash and that type of memory solution. But one day maybe we'll see Nintendo do it. Then had a $3 donation from Mundus who writes, heard your recent podcast about potential N64 games on the NSO service. I have a theory about that. Maybe they have it exclusive to an upcoming Pro model or Switch 2 if they go that route. Because they have done this in the past with new 3DS. Cheers. They have done that in the past, but as we saw today, N64 is available on all current Switch platforms. Or will soon be. We then had a $10 donation from Sack Shop. Right. As a supporter of independent game journalism, how are we supposed to take someone seriously if they have such bad takes on a subject that it soils everything else they do, as in giving Cyberpunk 2077 a review score of 9 out of 10 on console launch day? Um, Thank you. Well, I can... I can um, uh, respond to that and Nate, i'm sure you have some words as well but we have to remember that cyberpunk on launch day no no reviewer had access to the console versions i believe everyone was everyone was reviewing the pc version right there was no and maybe my i'm, I'm, not, I'm not remembering this right but i believe that everyone was given the pc code where the game was optimally you know it's best and i think a lot of a lot of scores were based off the PC version. It wasn't until later um, when um, the, the the PlayStation and the Xbox versions dropped 
when people realized it was it was a bit of a mess. Now I'm definitely not mm-hmm. giving CD Project Red a pass for this. We've we've talked about this on on this show before. Um, we've brought this up before, but um, CD Project Red really controlled the entire review process to the point where reviewers were given PC codes only and they weren't given much time to review the game. And look, I'm not I'm not faulting um anyone, you know, for that because I think, you know, once if you're playing the best version of the game, which was the PC version, and you are getting the best experience. And and look, somewhere in there there is a good game. You know, I, I think ultimately that's what they did. But it's clear that the console versions were not up to any level of standard that that it should have been at. And that was mm-hmm. unfortunately realized by the public as soon as, you know, the game went live that day. Yeah. And an important thing with reviews is read the text. Read yep. the text and understand the context of what they are verbalizing to you because the score at the end of the day is just a metric mostly used to satisfy the needs of a marketing firm or the publisher the context of the review is what a developer will read and that's what they base their feedback on and it may surprise a lot of people but reviewers or company developers do read the review the score may get their attention but they're going to read the written word and they're going to try to form an understanding of where the reviewer is coming from with their critiques and opinions and if someone wrote a review on the console version and came to the conclusion that cyberpunk 2077 is a nine out of 10 that's their opinion i can't question that without i have no right to question how they came to that score yeah if i read the written content and said this person is you know they're critiquing the game a lot and at the end of the day they signed it a nine I may be curious as to how that score was given. And depending on the outlet, sometimes it's not the reviewer who gives the numerical value at the end. It's their editor. And they give it based on the words or sometimes they just will assign it a score. It's There's a lot of internal politics at outlets. So it's really a matter of knowing how that outlet functions. Um but when it comes to review scores, typically you try to find a voice that mirrors your own, one that you can look to and you can understand why they felt about a game. And if that matches your personality and interest type, but don't weigh and put too much value on the score at the end of the day. Read the word and you should be able to walk away. Even if the score at the end is high, when you read the word, you can usually tell if the person's being disingenuous or not with it because maybe it lacks detail maybe it tries too hard to justify the game's faults but that's that's the meat of it and if you can tell there's a lot of fat around that meat trim it and see what's actually there that's valuable and that's what you look for in a review that's why reviews again their opinions always look for multiple just like any type of experiment you do they always say you know test it three times 
and you take the two that are closest and you disregard the outlier. But the review, read as many reviews as you can because you're going to find a consensus. And typically the consensus is right. Unfortunately, we have outlets like a Metacritic who just places too much value on that numerical score. Read the reviews or listen to reviews if you go to like a YouTube type of content. Listen to what's being said and then use that information that is being given to you to form your own view and opinion on it and go from there. Then had a dollar donation from Nexus. Writes, Nintendo has timed Nintendo Directs roughly a week before Tokyo Game Show for the past five years. Will we see that happen again this year, being that Tokyo Game Show starts September 30th? Or will we have to wait until after October 3rd when Tokyo Game Show concludes? Dread deserves another direct spotlight. And it got another direct spotlight, and Nintendo has remained true to their one week ahead of Tokyo Game Show. (laughs) And had a $2 donation from Liam Werner. Writes two questions for today, gentlemen. How concerned are you personally about burn-in on the Switch OLED? And is it possible the is it possible that Sean could be right about rare on N64 <laughs> online with the possibility of it being the Microsoft collaboration? Well, Banjo Kazooie is on rare NSO 64. And so Sean's right there, but the burn-in on the Switch OLED, I would say, is a very real concern. And hopefully Nintendo is prepared for that fight. I think Nintendo is very adamant and uh, aware of burn-in on the Switch OLED. Um, so I think they'll do everything they they can to minimize that, whether that be having some uh, firmware option where it, it, you know, it, it shakes the screen, you know, the pixels every so often, like what you see on, on TVs where you got that option to kind of minimize burn in. Um, Mm -hmm. Also to, you know, let developers know that there's certain um, colors that they shouldn't be using when, um, making games, for example, you know, different different color clashes and things like that. They may be looking at um, you know, asking them to to minimize those things. So I, I would say, yes, they would be looking into that to ensure that any burn in is kept to a minimum. And yes, Sean was right; I was wrong um, about Switch <laughs> Online and Rare. Um, but hey, if I'm going to be wrong on something, I'm, I'm happy to be wrong on this one because it's 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 great to see. I do hope Nintendo updates the Nintendo Switch Online interface because we know there's a lot of static imagery when you play like a NES and Super NES game, and that'd be a terrible thing to have burn in on your Switch OLED. So hopefully Nintendo is also aware of their own flaws when it comes to UI design. Then had a $3 donation from Evo Janus. He writes, Emulation Ethics. Good enough to own the game or also need legal means to play the game. Nintendo Online lets you buy from Wii U eShop. Can I pay for games then go emulate even if I don't own that hardware? Does answer change if current gen console? I honestly have no idea. I'm not a lawyer, you know. Um, 
That's that's a really hard question to answer. You know, um, I mean, I've always felt like if you've paid for something, um, then you own it, right? But I mean, uh-huh. what does that mean? You know, if you buy a game from a virtual console, do you truly own it or do you just own the right to use it? You know what I'm saying? So um, right. I I don't know. Like, it's so complicated for me. Like, the only thing I know is if I have a physical version of a game, then I can pretty much do whatever I want with it. I can I can rip the game and then I can load that, that ROM that I ripped off that cartridge onto an emulator and play it. And that's my, that's my version. That's my copy. So for me, you know, that's, that's good enough. But anytime you start talking about purchasing a game from a digital storefront, um, do you truly own that game? I, I, I'm not sure, you know, so I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Not really sure on that one. Like, I don't really dabble in the emulation scene. So Ben had a $5 donation from Skittittles. He writes, can you think of any other legal issues holding up Nintendo from re-releasing Diddy Kong Racing besides Banjo and Conker being in the game? If so, would any of those other rights issues prevent Nintendo from ever doing anything with Star Fox Adventures? I believe the only issues with Diddy Kong Racing would be Banjo and Conker because Microsoft now own those characters and they would need permission from microsoft to get diddy kong racing on nintendo switch online and 64 but star fox adventures i'm not sure if rare owned any of the original characters in that game so there shouldn't be any obstacles preventing nintendo from bringing star fox adventures to the switch or any future platform i unless rare owns like that little triceratops that was your partner but i highly doubt they do so there shouldn't be anything preventing star fox adventures from being used by nintendo in the future and then we had another five dollar donation from skittittles right i asked you guys this question before but now that psychonauts 2 is out and very well received i'll ask it again do you guys see Double Fine's next game being of the same scope as Psychonauts 2, or do you think they'll do multiple smaller projects? Um, it, uh, it could go either way, right? I mean, yeah, I kind of tend to think that now that you know Microsoft is is um is the parent that. Tim Schafer could approach Phil and say, I want to do Brutal Legend 2 and I want $100 million to make the game. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, maybe Phil would be like, okay, let's let's go. So I probably would believe that Double Fine's next game will be bigger in scope because they have, in theory at least, the budget to to do so and and obviously the resources to do so. Yeah, I mean, it definitely probably comes down to what Microsoft envisions for them and even Double Fine's own ambition. Um, I could see definitely them do like a Psychonauts 3 with a higher budget and additional resources where they would just expand on what we see in the game's worlds and environments. Because as well composed as Psychonauts 2 is, you can definitely see where the budget issue may have come into play in some areas so i could see them more so expand their vision on games in that realm than them be assigned to smaller projects i also don't really see double fine 
being assigned to, you know, massive projects that are going to take five years to develop. But I would definitely say they probably have earned their right to go to Phil Spencer and say, we want to take on this bigger project or really any project of any size following Psychonauts 2 and Microsoft is very likely writing and signing that check. Then had a hundred dollar and we had a one hundred and nine dollar and twenty three cent donation from the Zelda Sensei. No question, and the Zelda Sensei is this episode's second dedication. And then we had our final question of the week, which was a twenty dollar donation from Lucy. Writes Bark. Thank you for the great show. <laughs> I recently got a backlit Game Boy. Advance SP and love the form factor, but the screen is the screen is quite dark. Should I sell it and get a refurbished one with modern parts? If so, what specs should I watch out for? Bark, bark. Um, I've got just a regular Game Boy <laughs> Advance, not the SP that has the backlit. Uh, sorry, the the new IPS panel, the, the the one that you can kind of get installed. And I'm pretty happy with that. So um, I think any GBA that that you um, want to get that has the new IPS screens, um, they're usually pretty good. So um, depends on the form factor that you like. I personally, I mean, I love the SP, but I I like the original Game Boy Advance as well. It's it's very comfortable in my hand. So that's kind of what I tend to go for. Yeah, I've seen those modded Game Boy Advances with the those awesome screens and man, I know they sell for in the range of like 225, 250, but they are lovely pieces of technology to the point where I've been tempted and I always talk myself out of it saying, I don't need a Game Boy Advance. I have an SP, it works. Yeah, the screen is a little dark, but I'm not I can't I can't invest that much money in just to, just to have a nice, shiny, awesome looking Game Boy Advance. But yeah, I mean, I'd say it's kind of like a personal decision there. And mm -hmm. if you can, if you're okay with the SP backlit screen, even though it is a little dark, by all means, stay with that. But looking at some of the refurbished ones with the far brighter, and I believe that some even have a built-in battery, if you can justify the cost to yourself, by all means, go that route. It's all about your play style and your comfort for play. So satisfy that need. And that is the final Streamlab question of the week. If you would like to support the channel, we have a Streamlabs link in our description below where you can donate any dollar amount, ask a question. We will answer it at the end of the episode. And today's episode was dedicated to Where's the Direct and the Zelda Sensei. And once again, we would like to thank... Today's episode sponsor, Manscaped, and their support for Nate the Hate. And once again, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code Nate the Hate at manscaped.com. And I'd like to thank MVG for joining me as always. Always a pleasure, Nate. Thanks for having me on. It's been a, been a blast. And we will be back in the very near future when we will be able to discuss all of the happenings at the Tokyo Game Show. And if you liked this episode, be sure to give the video a like. If you didn't, give it a dislike. Let us know your thoughts on Nintendo 
Switch Online Expansion Pack, and the Nintendo Direct in the comment section below. And until next time, continue to embrace the hate.